Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyAces.com, the premier destination for daily fantasy sports and home to incredible once-in-a-lifetime big-ticket live championship finals for pro and college football, baseball, and basketball. Join FantasyAces.com today and claim your 200% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4 4 4 Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. It's week 13 in the NFL. I'm 4 for 4's senior DFS editor, Chris Raybon, joined, as always, by my guy, co-host TJ Hernandez. What is going on, TJ? Yo, Chris, just getting ready for a lucky number 13 this week. Let's do it. So we got a lot to get into today. Our DFS theory topic will be about how to strategically use the DraftKings late swap feature. Uh, We will talk about some week 12 takeaways as always, get into the week 13 picks at each position. But first, do want to mention the song that played us in was Crossroads. By Bone Thugs from their 1996 album E1999 Eternal. Another suggestion you made early in the week, TJ. So I'll let you tell the listeners why you chose this one. Um, because I had Cleveland on my mind because they were breaking my heart on Monday night, cost me all kinds of money, and then I was like, "Oh, we haven't done a, a Bone Thugs Bone Thugs song yet. And they're from Cleveland. Let's keep the uh, let's keep the Cleveland theme going." Did you just say Bone Thongs? Bone Thugs. <laughs> Bone Thongs, that'd be a different podcast. That'd be a different song. Be- oh man. Alright. Uh no, that that's a that's a that's one of my favorite songs. That's a really great song. Um let's get into the free subscription winner, the four for four DFS subscription. We have a winner every week. If you go rate and review the podcast, you are eligible to win. The winner of this week's free four for four DFS subscription is dc in the city so congrats dc in the city please email dfs mvp at 444.com to claim your free 444 dfs subscription that's dc in the city please contact dfs mvp at 444.com to claim your free subscription week 12 takeaways the first thing I want to do is shout out a Twitter user who listens to the pod, at uh, Reed Fish. Uh, TJ, he tweeted us last week, or earlier this week, I guess, to thank us because he's a listener of the pod. And he said it helped him take down a GPP for 6K on a $1 entry on DraftKings. Yeah, so, man, I saw that too. Congrats. Congrats, Reed Fish, man. Keep it up. If any, before we jump, if anybody wins thousands of dollars off our recommendations, we do accept beer as payment. So, uh, just throwing that out there for you guys. You can buy some beer. Sounds like a good idea to me. But moving into the 
Week 12 takeaways. One thing I noticed was the Eagles' defense seems to have devolved into the terrible unit it was previously. For a while there, it looked like they turned a corner. They were playing really good run defense. Their pass defense had improved uh, aside from Byron Maxwell. But lately, it's just been really bad. They gave up to 235 yards to Doug Martin. They gave up to five touchdowns to James Winston. And then last week, the Lions just really, really threw all over them. Uh, Maxwell Eric Rowe, the rookie, EJ Biggers in the slot, they're all rated really poorly by PFF. Uh, the Eagles' defense seemed to be stubborn. They left Rowe on Calvin Johnson numerous times in one-on-one coverage in the red zone. And they even gave up a season high to Amir Abdullah rushing. In you know, when you're letting the Lions run on you, that's a problem. So the Eagles' defense really just back to that unit that we targeted in DFS the last two years. They're still playing at a very high pace. So those were my takeaways from Week 12. What do you have, TJ? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that Detroit game because uh, this actually kind of slipped my mind because Thursday games feel like they're they're a month ago by the time we get to this point in the week. But uh, one thing that we should really be paying attention to, we always talk about Vegas line, is uh, reverse line movement or just line movement in general, especially when it crosses uh, what's called like a critical line. So we talked about this on Monday. Uh, Detroit opened up as a slight underdog. And then by the time uh, lineups were in on Thursday, they were favored by two and a half. Uh, anytime a team switches from an underdog uh, to a favorite or vice versa, that's very indicative of a very uh, favorable play. Uh, so playing Thursday's slate, if you weren't targeting the Lions, uh, you were already at a disadvantage going into it. And then it obviously proved true with uh, obviously the Stafford and Megatron big games. Uh, Another takeaway that I had is just kind of a general uh, stat analysis topic. Again, something you and I have talked about is sample size. Uh, We've talked about it on the pod. We've talked about it kind of between each other off air. And you brought up a really good point this week that we want to be looking at at roughly like a six-week uh, sample size. Uh, the past six weeks are usually most indicative of future fantasy production just because uh, anything before that doesn't take into account things like injuries, um, changes in scheme or personnel. Uh, and if we had taken that into account, then we would notice that uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was right around the top in the league in, in targets per game, uh, over the last five weeks leading up to this week, he was only uh, sixth in targets per game among wide receivers, which is still really good, but there was uh, he was trending down. Obviously, we want players that are trending up, and then it led to up to uh, this week, which was his lowest targeted game of the year, and obviously a huge letdown where he was very highly owned across DFS sites. So that was something that I noticed and uh, wish I would have realized before I set lineups instead of after. Yeah, that was some good, uh, you know, some good classic hindsight there, man. You know, that was something I wish, you know, we, I would have noticed as well. Um, but, you know, it was, it's like I said, you know, I, I like to talk about, I think ownership is fascinating because not only just 
using ownership to try to win tournaments, but just using ownership to gauge how well a player will perform. You know, mm-hmm. the higher the ownership generally means, you know, the better a player will perform over a large sample. But there's always ownership will never be perfect, and the the, the chalk plays still uh, don't always hit, and, and they don't. And there's a there's a decent percentage of the time where the chalk plays don't hit, and this was one of those instances so that's that was just really interesting to me but a a great point about his decreasing target total there um why don't you take us into your quarterbacks for this week yeah man we'll just kind of start at the top and work our way down Uh, i think the clear most glaring play this week regardless of value is cam newton against the saints uh we know how bad the saints have been on defense we know how good cam has been uh for the undefeated panthers he is priced at $9,000 on FanDuel and $7,400 on DraftKings, which makes him the second-priced quarterback on both sites. Uh, Saints rank last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, last in raw fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Basically, any stat against quarterbacks or passing games, Saints are dead last. Uh, they've allowed a touchdown on 8% of all passing attempts, which is a massive number. And after last week, Cam climbed into the kind of the elite ranks of uh, of touchdown um, touchdown scoring quarterbacks. Now he's one of just six quarterbacks that's thrown a touchdown on, on at least 6% of his pass attempts. Um, and including rush rushing touchdowns, uh, the Saints have allowed multiple touchdowns to quarterbacks in 10 of their 11 games this year. And then, of course, we have the uh, high floor with Cam. He leads quarterbacks in rushing yards. He leads quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns. So not only has he been an elite uh, scorer through the air, but he gets it done with his legs. So he's a really safe option, pricey but safe. Uh, if you are looking to save a little bit of money, a little bit money this week at quarterback uh i i think maybe my favorite play across just on on any site is ryan fitzpatrick against the giants uh he costs seventy five hundred dollars on fanduel he's fifty two hundred dollars on DraftKings. uh giants have been similarly bad against the pass um kind of similar to to the saints and the jets have been very very active uh, in the red zone via the pass uh only uh, only one team has thrown more than the Jets in the red zone over the past six weeks, and Jets have the uh, second-best red zone touchdown efficiency uh, in the red zone. They've converted 34% of their red zone attempts into touchdowns uh, this year. Uh, this game has the fourth-highest over-under of the week. It's an over-under at 45, and again, the Giants are, are pretty bad against the pass. They're ranked 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and 26th in completion percentage allowed. Uh, Fitzpatrick's been pretty, he's been pretty efficient, uh, especially in scoring touchdowns. He ranks in the top 10 in touchdown rate, uh, so that's something we're always looking for with our quarterbacks, efficiency over volume. So uh, a guy that's thrown touchdowns at a pretty decent rate versus a team that has allowed a very high completion percentage should mean uh, a pretty high floor for for Fitzpatrick with uh, with a similarly high ceiling and we'll get into his his receivers a little bit later but um, a big part of that has been uh, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker's success and then a guy who who's always a little risky, but he's very cheap this week, especially on FanDuel, is Jay Cutler. Uh, He's only $7,000 on FanDuel, and he's $5,100 on DraftKings. 
Uh, although it's been a, a pretty shaky year for the Bears in general, they, they've been pretty uh, unlucky in terms of health. I think this is going to be the first game that all of their, their big three, uh, Matt Forte, Martellus Ben, and Alshon Jeffrey, are on the field healthy at the same time. I know they all played week one, but uh, Jeffrey was a little bit hobbled in week one. He came into the season with an injury. Uh, obviously, Forte's had his injury struggles, and then Bennett was out um, last week and has been dealing with injuries. So all three of those guys are now looking pretty healthy. And it's the first time Cutler's going to get to throw to his full complement of weapons. Uh, if we look at the DraftKings value tool on 4 for 4, Cutler comes in as the top quarterback value. Uh, the Bears have an implied point total at 25 points, which is uh, the third highest relative implied point total. We've talked about that multiple times, looking at the Vegas implied points compared to a team's point-per-game average. Uh, the Bears are plus four in that category this week. And San Francisco, again, another team that's just been really bad in all aspects of defense. Uh, they rank 31st in adjusted fantasy points to allow to quarterbacks. Uh, and they haven't been able to score, which is something that's often overlooked when we're considering which which offensive players to start. Uh, if you look at, at teams opposing offense, uh, if that offense can't move the ball, then they're going to be giving up the ball and usually in favorable field position. And that's kind of uh, been been one of the downfalls of the Niners. Their offense has been just better than their defense. Um, so Cutler is in a really good situation this week. Do uh, you have anything to add to quarterbacks, Chris? Uh, not to the quarterbacks, but I you did mention the 4-for-4 four four, four, uh player pricing tool and i just mm-hmm. wanted to point that out to the listeners if you are a dfs subscriber and you go to the dfs drop down menu on the top of the four for four homepage, the fifth uh item down on the left side is the dfs player pricing tool and uh there you can see player pricing changes uh from week one you can see the the changes from last week to this week. Um, you could see the percentage of the salary cap that each player is taking up in case you want to compare uh, FanDuel to DraftKings or to another site. And uh, just some interesting notes. Uh, the three top three quarterbacks in terms of uh, weekly price drops. Matt Ryan dropped $500. Uh, Drew Brees dropped $500 and Aaron Rodgers dropped $500. So those are some quarterbacks with, you know, some pretty large upside um, who have been struggling lately. But, you know, we always try to target those price drops. So those are some interesting names to note there. Yeah, if you're playing Thursday slates, Aaron Rodgers is still interesting because uh, even though that team has struggled, his efficiency numbers are still like near the top in the league. So again, if if we focus on that efficiency, uh, usually that indicates a player that's getting ready to to break out. Definitely. All right, I'll uh, get into these running backs now. Uh, I'll start at the bottom with the chalk play of the week at running back. One of the biggest chalk plays across the board. Period. David Johnson. Of the Arizona Cardinals, he will be starting at running back. Chris Johnson is on IR designated to return, and Andre Ellington's looking really iffy uh, for this week. So Johnson is 5,900 on FanDuel, and he's only 3,400 on DraftKings. Um, rostering inexpensive running backs projected to see heavy volume is a plus EV strategy in NFL DFS. Uh, Johnson has scored seven touchdowns in 54 touches. That's one every 7.7 touches. That's leads the league in players with at least 50 touches. 
the Rams' run defense has been middling, a bit inconsistent. They've allowed the 12th most rushing yards per game. The Cardinals are 5.5 favorites this Sunday on the road against the Rams. So Johnson has a few things working in his favor in that game. Uh, Next up is Jonathan Stewart. He's 7,200. On FanDuel, 5,300 on DraftKings. The Saints rank 31st in 4-for-4's schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But perhaps more telling is that over the last three games, the Saints have allowed 238.6 total yards per game to running backs. So 239 yards total per game to running backs over the last three games, including 392 to Redskins running backs of all teams. So Jonathan Stewart's in a really good spot. He has received at least 20 carries in seven straight games now. He leads the league in red zone carries, and he's top. He's in the top 15 in carries inside the 10 and inside the 5. So He's getting a lot of carries basically between the 10 and the 20-yard line, which aren't quite as valuable as those carries inside the 5 or the 10. But because Carolina has been moving the ball so well and against the Saints defense, um, the, even the carries inside the 10 and the tw- between the 10 and the 20 will be valuable because the Saints are liable to uh, give up a, a, a 10 or 12 or 15-yard rushing touchdown. So that's something to think about there. Then we have D'Angelo Williams. He's 7,200. On FanDuel, he's 5,600 on DraftKings. Uh, he has recorded over 100 total yards and or a touchdown in four of his five starts this season. And he had another 100-yard game in relief of Le'Veon Bell. And this week, the Steelers are seven-point favorites. The Colts are allowing the ninth-most rushing yards per game in the NFL at 115.1. Williams, he not only offers value because he's in a good offense and a favorable matchup, but because he rarely comes off the field. Uh, 4 for 4 has a tool called the Player Snap app, which if you go to the Tools drop-down menu on the homepage, it's the second item under the weekly uh, column, and basically you can filter by week and by team and by position um, and check out uh, a player's snaps. And D'Angelo Williams, over the last three weeks, has played 93% of the Steelers' snaps at running back. That is tops over that span by about 8% over the next highest running back. So D'Angelo Williams has been on the field pretty much every down. He's in a good matchup, home favorite, uh, and a guy who will probably be a staple in cash game lineups. Anything else with running backs, TJ? Uh, no, I do want to hi- highlight a couple notes on Jonathan Stewart, though, and it, it kind of ties into what we talked about in the intro regarding uh, recent sample size. There's this ongoing narrative about Jonathan Stewart and just Cardinal running backs in general that they don't have touchdown upside, which usually has been true. Uh, but going back to week seven, uh, Jonathan Stewart is actually top five in the league and touches inside the 10-yard line. Uh, he has nine since week seven, and uh, the the Saints uh, – uh, yards per game allowed to running backs. It hasn't just been a a situation where it's volume. Sometimes those volume stats can trick us a little bit. Um, they've been very inefficient as well. They're one of just two teams that have allowed over six yards per touch to opposing running backs. Uh, so there is a lot of opportunity there for Jonathan Stewart and and probably a guy that, uh, regardless of recent recent production, probably won't be very highly owned. 
Um, so he might be a nice, uh, nice little tournament play, especially since he's going to be the perfect pivot off of D'Angelo, given their similar prices. Um, yeah. Speaking speaking of D'Angelo and and the uh, and the Steelers, um, Antonio Brown. This this is all assuming Ben, ben uh, Big Ben plays this week, um, but. Uh, it's interesting that there are some books that are willing to put out a line on this game. I think you mentioned that that you saw that. I, I believe you look at uh, Vegas um, has them favored as seven by seven. Uh, some books still don't have a line on this game because uh, Big Ben is questionable. But if there's a situation where a quarterback is questionable and some books are still willing to put out a line that's pretty telling that means that they expect the Steelers to to be able to handle the Colts no matter what um Antonio Brown is $9,000 on FanDuel $8,600 on DraftKings so uh he's always going to be priced near the top but uh, again going back to recent sample size he does lead the lead all wide receivers in targets since uh been returned from his last injury uh, the Colts ring 25th in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And he's uh, Brown's a little bit of a discount on DraftKings. That full PPR is always very valuable. That possible bonus is always ve- very valuable. Uh, and Antonio's priced outside the top three. So you get him a little bit of a discount on DraftKings. Uh, going down a, a little bit. Uh, I already talked about Jay Cutler and his main guy, Alshon Jeffrey, is is still priced uh Right outside the top 10 on DraftKings, right about 10 on FanDuel. Uh, he's $7,700 on FanDuel and $6,900 on DraftKings. Uh, since coming back from his injury, Alshon is one of just two wide receivers, averaging two red zone targets per game. Uh, he hasn't converted any of those red zone targets into touchdowns yet, uh, but going into this year uh, where he was pretty healthy and where he uses his height and that jumping ability to get separation in the end zone. Uh, he has a career red zone touchdown conversion rate of 27%. Uh, the the league average for wide receivers is usually right around 23%. Uh, so we should expect those uh, that high volume red zone uh, uh those high volume red zone targets to turn into to touchdowns and I mentioned the San Francisco defense this could be the week that we see those looks uh turn into scores. Um, again, going back to another quarterback that I mentioned in his target, uh, Eric Decker. He's seventy-two hundred dollars on FanDuel. Uh, he's sixty-three hundred dollars on on DraftKings. Uh, I, I really think that both Decker and Marshall are on play. I'm just always a sucker for value. Uh, Decker comes right around like roughly a thousand dollars less than uh, Brandon Marshall on both sides, give or take a couple hundred. Uh, since week seven. Eric Decker leads the league in red zone targets. He has 12 red zone targets since week seven. Uh, he's averaged nine plus targets per game uh, in those games. And again, that New York defense is a defense that you want to target with uh, with your pass catchers. They rank 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And where they've really been vulnerable and where we've seen this with uh, tight ends especially is over the middle. Their linebackers and, um, and safeties have really, really struggled uh, to cover tight ends. Now, the Jets don't necessarily implement a tight end, but the middle of the field uh, is where Eric Decker does a lot of his work. So, uh, in lieu of a tight end, when they get near when they get near the goal line, when they're working in in, sh- in uh, small spaces, um, that's where Eric Decker really shines, and that's where the Giants have really struggled. So I really like uh, Decker in this matchup. And then uh, my favorite value play of the week, 
Um, a guy that uh, that we we had big hopes for going into the season, but he's been injured is Devonte Parker. Um, Miami's in a in a really good spot against Baltimore, and Parker is is the value play of this game. He's fifty two hundred dollars on Fanduel and thirty three hundred dollars on DraftKings, so you're getting a huge discount on a player that uh, is going to be uh, seeing s- starter snaps. He saw his first uh, full complement of snaps last week. Uh, he played eighty two percent of the Dolphins' snaps and saw double digit targets for the first time uh, um, this year. And I th- I think it was on the first series. It was very early. Rashard Matthews uh, suffered some uh, broken ribs, so we can expect Parker to see uh, a similar snaps this week against a Baltimore team that ranks uh, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Um, Going back to point totals, going back to relative values, uh, Miami has the fourth highest relative implied point total. They're plus uh, 3.3 compared to their uh, season point per game average. Uh, Higher scoring is usually going to translate to uh, more passing success for the Dolphins. Uh, Miami throws the most in the league in terms of percentage. 66% of their plays are pass plays, and they are fifth in red zone pass attempts this season. They've attempted 60 red zone passes this year, and they are. Uh, this is one of two games that has two teams in the top 10 in, in offensive pace. Uh, last time we had a similar situation where Miami was one of two teams in the top 10 in pace, and um, and they were uh, a very high relative point total uh, compared to the point per game average was their game against Houston. So we have kind of a similar cocktail brewing here. I'm not going to say they're going to put up five passing touchdowns uh, in the first half, but there's a lot of similarities, and we've seen them uh, uh, be able to explode in the passing game, and Devontae Parker's probably going to be a very big part of that this week. Uh, so those those are my guys for wide receiver. Chris, do you have anything else to note on wide receiver? There, There's a lot of good options this week. Those are just the ones that stood out to me. Yeah, no, yeah, there, there, there are a ton of good options. So I don't think it's necessary to really uh, jump into all those. But I, I am interested to see uh, what's going to happen with Devontae Parker because uh, Miami just fired their offensive coordinator, yeah. Bill Lazor. So now, you know, are we looking at a situation where they just straight up feature Parker, um, or, or what's going to happen? So I think that's a really interesting um, play, especially in tournaments. You know, I think there's a lot of upside there, especially because we did see him get the the double digit targets last week. Played 82 percent of the snaps. He could, he might play 100 percent of the snaps this week if he's in, uh, if he's conditioned well. Which I, I mean, if he can play 80, I would think he can play 100. So yeah, I mean, coach speak is always one of those things that I never really know how to gauge. Um, sometimes it's very honest. Sometimes it's just like kind of Belichickian where it's just not never even true. Um, but there, there's some suggestions that uh, Miami's kind of in that see what we got for the future mode yep. uh, after firing their head coach, now firing their coordinator. Uh, this is their first-round pick, so uh, I would think that down the stretch they're going to see what they got in him and if he's worth that, that draft capital. So uh, he could be a really, really interesting play, not only this week but down the stretch. Very true. So before we move on, I want to remind listeners that with just a few more weeks to qualify for the $500,000 Fantasy Aces Football Championship Live Final in Newport Beach, competition is heating up for the last few seats. On December 13th, the 40 finalists will square off in a one-day DFS battle for the $100,000 grand prize. But there is more than just prize money waiting for you and your guests at the Fantasy Aces NFL Live Final in Southern California. 
to start with, you'll enjoy three nights at the luxurious Balboa Bay Resort right on Newport Harbor. Then, you'll take a sunset cruise on a huge private yacht with drinks and a gourmet dinner. On Sunday, the live final VIP party will feature big screen TVs with every NFL game and endless food and drinks. Of course, the winner takes home that $100,000 grand prize. So do yourself a favor and qualify for the Fantasy Aces NFL Live Final. Trust me, it's a once in a lifetime experience and you'll thank me for the advice. Good luck and be sure to use promo code 4 for 4 that's the number 4, the letters F-O-R and the number 4 for a 200% first time deposit bonus. Alright, moving on to tight ends. Greg Olson will be the chalk. He's 6,600 on FanDuel and 6,400 on DraftKings. The Saints are last in 4 for 4s. Schedule adjusted. Fantasy points allowed two tight ends. Olsen is tied for the league lead in targets among tight ends. Only six players in all of football have more red zone targets than Olsen. Uh, moving down a little bit, Delaney Walker is 6,000 on Fandle and 5,700 on DraftKings. He's quietly leading all tight ends in receptions per game at 5.9. That would extrapolate to a 94 catch season if he yeah. played 16 games so I know a lot of people probably don't think of Delaney Walker as a 90 catch guy but that's what he's been and uh, he posted an 8 for 109 line his only 100 yard game of the season uh, when these two teams met in week 11 and Jacksonville is 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end so Walker has pretty much everything working in his favor here and then Another interesting play is Scott Chandler. He's 5,300 on FanDuel, and he's the minimum 2,500 on DraftKings. Um, I think he's a much more viable play on DraftKings. Uh, He has eight red zone targets this season. Uh, The next highest active Patriot uh, has only four, so Mm -hmm. whoever that might be. I know LaFell missed some time, so it's not exactly a perfect – measurement but the point is that you know Brady and Chandler have the most uh rapport in the red zone um and we know Gronkowski got a ton of red zone targets and as I mentioned earlier the Eagles defense has been bad and despite Brady's weapons being dinged up the Patriots still have the highest Vegas implied total of the week which is really surprising considering Cam Newton is playing the Saints but I guess because they're on the road they don't have as high of a total as they would have had if they were at home. So Patriots expected to score a lot of points. Scott Chandler, you're probably gonna not going to get a ton of yardage. I don't know, especially after last week when they repeatedly tried to throw him uh, fly routes um, on the outside. <laughs> and it, it was just like throwaway after throwaway. <laughs> yeah. But um, regardless, he was still able to score to catch five balls for 58 yards and score a touchdown. And I think that's a reasonable expectation this week. Um, I would like to see his ownership percentage before going all in, especially because Philadelphia's defense, while they have been battling around, they are weaker on the outside with their cornerbacks. They do rank sixth in four for fours schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, anything else on the tight end TJ? Yeah, I mean, even though Gronk was only out for part of the game, Chandler did lead tight ends in targets last week with Gronk out, uh, uh, you know, just for just for part of that game. So that's something to note. I'm surprised that I've seen so many people acting as though Amendola is just going to be a hundred percent 
I mean, he's right. dealing with a with a knee injury that caused him to miss a game. Um, you know, he's one of those those quick slot wide receivers, and knee injuries nothing nothing to mess with. So even if he's active, I'd be kind of hesitant on him, which would uh, push me towards Chandler a little bit. And uh, regarding Delaney Walker. I went on one of my classic Twitter stat rants yesterday, and I was messing around with some some Tennessee information. Uh, they have the highest uh, relative implied point total this week. They're plus 4.3, and no team's converted a higher rate of red zone passing attempts into touchdowns than the Titans. They've converted 34.1% of their red zone pass attempts into scores, and uh, Walker's been a big part of that. So I really, really like those tight end picks. Um, those yeah. are actually the guys I've I've kind of zeroed in on. So uh, I'm glad we're on the same page there. It makes me feel good. So when I when I lose my money, I can be in sorrow with somebody else. I mean, there's always uh, Gary Barnage. Man, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, hey, Austin Davis is real cheap. You know, you stack him. Barnage catches two touchdowns. Boom, millionaire. Listen, I'm not gonna get into being a a, a, a douche and talking about my own team, but I turned that game off in the first quarter. Uh, let's uh, wait, get into actually, kick, let's get into kickers. One <laughs> one thing before you, before we get into kickers, you mentioned Amendola and Chandler and how you know Amendola is pretty dinged up and people are kind of acting like. You know, he's the clear play here. I actually think Brandon LaFell is probably yeah. the best play out of the Patriots receivers in this game uh, just because, again, he's going to be playing on the outside. We know the Patriots like to attack other teams' weaknesses. The Eagles just lost Nolan Cowell for the year. We saw Eric Rowe struggle. We know Byron Maxwell's just been Swiss cheese all year. So, you know, I think whatever side – LaFell lines up on he's gonna have a plus matchup and he's a guy that's kind of due for some regression he's had you know some a rough time with some drops and you know he hasn't scored a touchdown in a while and you know this could be one of those games where you know Brandon LaFell really breaks out and shows some of those that potential that he that he showed last season so uh, I think LaFell clearly the play over Amendola uh, in this game uh, but yeah take us into kickers TJ yeah, I, I don't have too much to say about kickers this week. There's not um, a true min price guy that really stands out. Uh, it's starting to get that time of year where uh, there's there's weather and cold concerns. Just uh, non nonstop. You just have to be really cognizant of that getting into December. Um, so I'm always going to favor. Uh, guys that are playing indoors, especially in December, uh, especially if they have a a higher team total than usual. Uh, so a guy that I really like is Connor Barth. He's only $4,700 versus Atlanta. Uh, again, the, the Buccaneers have a, a inflated team total. They're projected to score 24 points. Um, and then a little bit of a pricier option who is going to be a pivot off of Goskowski, who's just usually just high owned just because he's a Patriot. Uh, Graham Gano's uh, $100 less. He's $5,000. But again, he's indoors uh, with a high team total and Carolina's uh, favored by seven. You mentioned this last week quickly on the pod and it's something I haven't put too much stake into, but uh because they're favored by seven, that means at the end of the game, they won't be deterred from kicking field goals. Uh, that was a really good point you made that we kind of glossed over and something that uh, that really caught my attention. So um, being favored is going to gonna really help your kicker out because they're not going to be behind and trying to score touchdowns to catch up. So that's a really good point. And Carolina's favored by a touchdown. 
Definitely. Um, yeah, I guess the only minimum price kicker I was looking at was Boswell. Um, I guess it depends yeah, on Yeah, I, I looked at Boswell and, too. And it depends on the, the weather out there. But, you know, if, if everything's good to go, I think he's a solid. Yeah, he was the one I noticed guy. as well. Yeah. Um, defense, the Bengals, 5,100 on FanDuel, 3,400 on DraftKings. They're nine and a half point favorites against the Browns. The Browns team total is 17. They're starting Austin Davis at quarterback. He's been very sack prone in his career. Uh, the Bengals have been a top eight fantasy defense this season, and the Browns have allowed the third most fantasy points to opposing defenses. So all the peripherals are there uh, for the Bengals uh, to have a good game on defense against the Browns and then the Patriots are 4,800 FanDuel and 3,400 on DraftKings. They have the highest spread of the week. They're favored by 10. And uh, we have, uh, for the listeners out there, we we make up a little outline just to uh, jot down the players we want to touch <laughs> on during the podcast. And uh, it's, a, it's a Google Doc and it's, it's shared so me and TJ can both edit it. And uh, as as he was pasting in his uh the guys he wanted to touch on i had uh in my patriots uh bullet point i had bradford sucks and <laughs> tj uh he bolded it he put it in red and he inflated the font to make it really huge so right I now mean, I, just, I want to make sure we didn't <laughs> skip over that note like it's important yeah so tj on behalf of tj he just wants me to let you guys know that Bradford sucks. Yeah. It is, it's in really big font staring me right in the face right now. Um, but, no, the Patriots, they just match up really well with the Eagles. Um, they, can man, they can play man coverage on their wide receivers with Logan Ryan, who's been playing really well lately, and then Malcolm Butler, who's also been playing really well lately. And they can stop the run. They should have Hightower and Collins back, which helps them stop the run. It helps with their tight end coverage. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I would think that the Patriots can play man coverage on the Eagles receivers who have had trouble getting open against man all season and just uh, play to stop the run because, you know, the Eagles want to run the ball. And uh, I just think this is a really t- bad matchup uh, for Philly. So um, and Philly is ranked 24th in four for fours schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to defenses. So. Really good matchup there. And then, TJ, I know you had a under-the-radar kind of punt play that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it always helps to save a little bit of money at defense if possible. Uh, one team that was really interesting to me just uh, just because of how, how slow both teams play is the Redskins. Um, the Redskins and Dallas is uh, the only game with two teams that rank in the bottom five of offensive pace. Um Washington is 32nd in the league and Dallas is 30th. So uh, we can expect uh, fewer offensive plays than than most games. And this is courtesy of a uh, fellow DFS writer, Sammy Reed. You can find him on Twitter at Sammy Decipher. Uh, Dallas is giving up 12.75 fantasy points per game to opposing defenses in Castle's four starts. Uh, so not only can we expect a slow-paced game, uh, with with fewer plays than usual, but uh, Castle has has really made that offense um, uh, especially bad. So you know it's 
it's shaky. It's it's probably not something you want to anchor all your cash games with. Um, but a slow game versus Matt Castle is probably not a bad play just because Washington is so cheap. Um, and and shout out to Football Insiders for those pace stats. So that's just something I wanted to touch on uh, for defensive special teams. Football Insiders is that a, is that a new site? Football Outsiders. Did I say Insiders? <laughs> yeah. Did I say Insiders. Football Outsiders. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, is there a site I don't know about? Football check this out. <laughs> cool, man. No, uh, that was that was a really great point about the pace. Um, you know, that's something that goes overlooked. I know we don't talk about it as much, um, but it definitely comes into account and uh, comes into play. Excuse me. And you know, sometimes when you see maybe a chalk play that doesn't move up to expectation, or just a player that has an unexpectedly bad game, a lot of times it can be because both teams are just playing at a, at a really slow pace and it just limits the amount of offensive plays. So that that's a really uh, great point there. Let's get into our DFS theory segment. Today we will be talking about late swaps. So that is, for those who aren't familiar, uh, you can do this on DraftKings. You can swap any player out for another player as long as their game hasn't started. So, for example, if you're playing a Sunday, Monday slate and you have a bunch of players in the 4 o'clock and the 8 o'clock games or the Monday night game, you can swap them out until their game starts. And um, for that reason, the first thing that I want to uh, tell everybody, um, a lot of the more advanced players probably already know this but if you're newer to DFS or you're newer to DraftKings or you just haven't really messed with the late swap feature much the first thing to keep in mind is you always 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 want to put the player in the latest game in your flex position so you know and obviously if you have if your flex is a one o'clock start this doesn't apply but you know if you have you say a couple players playing at one but then one player playing at four or eight or monday night or something like that you always want to put that player in the flex so that you have options to switch him out and and tj will go into exactly why you might want to swap him out uh in a minute but i just want to point that out and i also want to point out that four for four's lineup generator which is available to dfs subscribers it's really a great tool um i use it a lot uh the four for four lineup generator automatically will place the uh player with the latest start time in the flex position so you don't have to worry about that but when you're generating your lineups you know when it when uh when the lineup generator gives you a flex make sure to put that player in the flex if you're going to use that lineup but TJ, you know, I explain, you know, to people that they should put their latest game player in the flex. So talk about, you know, now why you want the option of swapping out uh, a player. What, 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 what strategically, what strategic advantage might that give you? Sure. Well, first of all, before I get into the actual strategy of it, um, this is why I favor DraftKings for both my Thursday uh, slates and my uh, short slate games 
I like to sometimes if I'm having an okay week or I don't think I'm going to lose on the week, I'll play some of those primetime uh, GPPs. And then, of course, we've talked about uh, in the past playing Thursday slates just to fade that Thursday night game. Um, usually by the time Thursday rolls around, um, I've just been so entrenched in writing in real life that I don't have a, a lineup that I'm very, very confident in. So I can just throw a dummy lineup in on DraftKings and then swap that whole thing out uh, come Sunday if I don't plan on playing any Thursday players where um, on FanDuel you're, you're just locked into that lineup, which has it, its advantages, but um, it's something you might want to consider. And then on those short slates, uh, say you're just playing a primetime slate with Sunday night and Monday night games, um, there's going to be so much overlap in those games that no matter how many lineups you build, uh, you're you're surely going to have a very similar lineup. And if it's getting... Uh, you know, Monday night and you're near the top, you're probably going to have some overlap and want to switch that out for some game theory. Again, on FanDuel, you might not have that advantage. Um, but there there are definitely some very specific considerations for the late swap. And it's usually discussed for GPPs, um, but you have to use the late swap for your cash games too. Um, so I'm going to start with the popular uh, use of late swap. Uh, this usually happens when uh, you're in a GPP, uh, you have a player going, uh, usually in the Monday night game if you're playing the full slate, uh, say you're in second place, uh, you're trailing the leader of the tournament um, by however many points, and you have a, a running back left uh, in your flex. Uh, you're trailing the guy that's in first by, by five points, you look at his lineup on DraftKings, and you reverse engineer his lineup. So basically what you do is you look at his lineup, uh, you see who he's played, you go back and get the salaries for all those players, see how much salary is left over for uh, the game that hasn't started yet. DraftKings does not show uh, the player until it starts. So say you notice that he has has $7,000 left. Most people are going to use their entire salary. Uh, so you can look at the players available in that game. If there's one player available for $7,000, say it's Matt Forte, uh, then you, you're pretty confident that he's playing Matt Forte in that slot. Now, if you also have Matt Forte, uh, what you want to do in that situation is you want to swap out your Matt Forte for his likely Matt Forte because if you're both playing him, you're not going to be able to catch him and win that first place prize. Um, you know, no matter who it is, at this point, salary doesn't matter. Uh, you're just looking for um, a guy that he's not going to own where you can have the opportunity to catch him and overtake him. Uh, now, one thing that is overlooked a lot of the time, and I think this is a function of when you do hear about these late swaps, um, it's usually a high-profile tournament when you hear people talking about it. It's usually someone trying to win the Millie Maker, someone trying to win a qualifier seat. Uh, so in those situations, winning that first place f- prize is very important. Those are top-heavy tournaments. You're trying to get that ticket to a live final. You're trying to get that million dollars. It's a huge difference. Uh, when you're playing these smaller GPPs, when you're playing a game with a flatter payout, uh, the highest expected value move might not be to switch that player. So take the same scenario. First place guy probably has Matt Forte. We have Matt Forte. We're in second place. We can't catch the first place guy. Uh, But if it's a very flat payout, if first place is $2,000, if second place is $1,000, 
and then there are players behind you with players left to play, you still have to consider those players behind you because you're not playing for this life-changing first-place money. Uh, You're just playing for a high-expected value payout. Um, If there's three or four players behind you with players uh, left to play, then you want to play your most optimal lineup. Even though you're not going to be able to to catch first place, you want to give yourself the best chance to stay ahead of those players behind you. So what can happen is, say you swap swap out Matt Forte uh, for Marcus Wilson. Marcus Wilson doesn't catch Matt Forte. So not only do you not win first place, but the people behind you didn't swap their players. Now they overtake you. So instead of winning your $1,000 chasing an extra $1,000, you drop down to $100. You cost yourself $900 in expected value. Uh, So that's something you really have to consider, especially in these smaller tournament flat payout tournaments. Uh, and that's usually where the line stops for people. They say, I'm trying to win this big GPP. I use a late swap. Uh, but there's a lot of considerations for cash too. Uh, it's, it's very simple if you're playing in double ups or 50-50s. Uh, usually you're just throwing that lineup in, and it's pretty clear what the cash line is. Uh, say you're on DraftKings. Say you have a, um, you have a, 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 a lineup where you're, you're five points behind the cash line. 150 150 points is what you need to cash. Uh, You have, again, let's just use the same example. You have Matt Forte, but that week you know that he is 45% owned. Uh, Leaving him in probably isn't going, might might not let you catch the cash line because the cash line is going to keep moving uh, with that. uh, As his points go up, the cash line is going to go up. So you you might be in danger of not catching. Uh, so again, you might want to put in a higher variance guy that can, can really shoot up the leaderboard that a lot of people aren't going to be owned. Uh, but the the tedious task of the late swap, which you really need to do, and this is hard if you're playing uh, high volume, is going for the, the same theory but in your head-to-heads. So what you want to do if you have guys in your in, – in, even if it's not a uh, – even if it's not a flex position, if it's any position, if you have guys going in your Sunday night or Monday night games, if you're losing your head-to-head, you want to go through go through those individually. Uh, DraftKings makes it easy because you can just sort by games you're winning or losing. Usually, if you're winning, you want to just keep your most uh, you want to keep your most optimal lineup in. Uh, but if you're losing head-to-head, you want to go through those one by one. If you have guys left to go, and if your opponent still has players left, you want to do the same thing. You want to reverse engineer. You want to see uh, if they might have the same player as you. And if they do, the only way you're going to catch them is if you swap about your player. Uh, so it could be a tedious task, but it's something that automatically adds expected value to your week. And in, in a game where uh, the margins are very small, where uh, you don't have a huge advantage, even though the, even over an average player, uh, going through those head-to-heads one by one and, and going through that swap uh, every week is, is going to add money to your bottom line. Uh, so uh, those are just some of my thoughts. Uh, I do have one other uh, game theory thought but before i'm already pretty long-winded chris do you have any thoughts on on late swap in in terms of strategy yeah no i thought that was interesting about you know you see you do really have to pay attention to who's behind you as well as who's in front of you and and really you know if if you can kind of make some expected value calculations because like you mentioned you know there there's so many different payout structures you know if you're going for a really top heavy tournament you know I, I think you definitely want to wait swap but there might be a situation where you know even if you are in a you know 
a, a top heavy tournament, but it's like if you're in second place and that's still like five hundred thousand and and you're in danger of dropping down into like you know maybe five thousand. You know, there there it's a. I guess it it comes down to your own um, personal you know stomach tolerance for risk. Really, you know, do do you really want to go for that uh, top cash or do you want to? Um, kind of settle for something in between so i think that's kind of a it's a more of a personal choice than sometimes we let on i think a lot of advice out there is like yeah you know if you're behind you know always late swap but you know that's not necessarily always the case because if you late swap to a guy he's obviously going to be suboptimal um so that would be a, a situation that you really have to to keep in mind and and decide for yourself um what your personal uh risk tolerance is and then um as far as i think i know what you're going to talk about um for your last point because i i I think i touched on it um in in one of my columns last week about uh somebody won the millionaire maker and they had thomas rawls yep in uh, a running back slot and marshall lynch was not ruled out i believe it was week 11 uh marshall lynch was not ruled out uh, by the yeah, time the one Rawls, o'clock Rawls went nuts two, yeah, because Rawls went nuts two weeks right. ago. Right, yeah, so Marshawn Lynch was ruled out somewhere in the, I believe, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time range. It was late. It was like right before the game. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So probably around, probably, probably past 3 o'clock Eastern then yeah. um, that he got ruled out, and the winner of the Millionaire Maker actually, it was that week where there were just a ton of value running backs um, yes. and in, in like the 4.5K range, and he actually, it was the week Charkandrick West was really a chalk play, and he he actually had Charkandrick West in his winning lineup, but he pivoted from whoever else he had. I'm not, I forget who the other chalk play was, but I'm pretty sure he pivoted from whoever that other chalk play was to Thomas Rawls after the winch news came out, and Rawls was like uh, under five percent owned. Uh, I believe, and that pretty much made the difference. I think Rawls was the highest scoring player on the slate that week, so that really, really made a difference. I think Rawls outscored the next highest running back by 17. Yeah. Um. So that was the difference maker. So I mean, TJ, I guess I might have stolen some of your your thunder there, but uh, you can uh, you can go into the rest of your point uh, regarding that. No, I mean that's that's a perfect example of what I want to talk about and uh. You, you do want want to be careful. Um, I have a specific strategy that I use for this. So the running back is the perfect example. Um, so say you have, like we talked about, you have Marshawn Lynch who, uh, let's call him $7,000. Um, and then you have Thomas Ross's backup who is maybe, let's say, $4,000. If uh, you, you can, a, a lot of people are going to be very hesitant to put Marshawn Lynch uh, in their roster. Let's say it's a Monday night game. Obviously, because you're not getting uh, news on that until you know Monday night, so you're gonna have to wait, and then you will you you can swap in as backup. But what that does is it makes you put uh, possibly suboptimal plays around him because your price you're playing an expensive running back uh, in a spot where you could maybe play a cheaper play, and then forcing yourself to play. Uh, uh, less optimal plays around that. So, you know, Marshawn Lynch is $7,000, but he's an injury concern, and you're putting him in on a Monday night game. Uh, what I like to do and what can give you a very, very unique lineup uh, without losing much expected value 
is play two players from that late game. So if Marshawn Lynch is questionable, I can put him in my flex with a um, with a cheap wide receiver either from his team or from the other team in that Monday night game. If I get news uh, that Marshawn Lynch is going to be out, I could swap him in for his cheap backup but then put in a top price wide receiver or running back in that other position from the same game. So I'm still filling out my my roster salary, which usually is going to be a more optimal lineup compared to um, compared to to putting out a lineup where you just late swap in a backup for a starter, but you're left with something like four thousand dollars left in salary. Um, so maybe you're you have uh, Marshawn Lynch and um, Marshawn Lynch and and Cole Beasley, uh, say the Seahawks are playing the Cowboys. Well, you can roster uh, Lynch and Beasley, but then if if Lynch is rolled out, you can flip that, put in Rawls, and now you can upgrade to Des Bryant. So now you have two elite players in a late game, and they're both really low-owned because nobody's going to have that combination. Uh, So it's a way to to give yourself a very, very unique roster without uh, losing much expected value. Uh, So that's how I like to play... Uh, those late injuries and use that late swap to my advantage kind of as a, as a game theory edge on, on something that a lot of people aren't doing. So that's something to think about, um, not just using late swap for, for lineups that you already have, but roster construction, especially for GPPs. Oh, man, those are, some, those are some really great points. You guys might need to rewind that one back. Listen the second time. That was, that was good stuff. Get the shmoney. Get that shmoney. All right. Um... So, yeah, that about wraps it up for our DFS Theory segment. Uh, At the top of the show, I mentioned that we give away a free 4 for 4 DFS subscription uh, every week. Uh, People are loving it. Uh, We're getting a lot of tweets about people winning money. So, once again, to win a free 4 for 4 DFS subscription, uh, go on iTunes, rate and review the DFS MVP podcast. You can do that by going on iTunes and typing in DFS MVP and then rate and review it. And whoever rates and reviews between uh, now and next week, uh, a winner will be randomly chosen and will be announced on next week's podcast. And that about does it for us. Um, I do want to mention... Uh, Another cool tool we have on our 4 for 4 DFS subscription, uh, we made our value reports uh, pretty popular and they're, they're a big hit amongst DFS players. It basically gives you the player's projected points uh, divided by salary, you get his value, and but you know, though we know those are are great for cash games, but in tournaments when you're, you're trying to get your correlation plays, your stacks. So what we've done this year is we now have stack value reports. Yeah. So we have every two-man stack, three-man stack, and four-man stack in terms of quarterback and receivers, and that includes tight ends, valuated. So... Uh, we take the, we add up the salaries and the projected points of every single stack, every single possible stack, two, three, or four man, and we give you a projected value for that stack. So that's a really useful thing. Um, not, I don't know who else is doing it. Um, as far as I know, nobody, but it's a really cool tool, really helpful, uh, to create tournament lineups. And, uh, TJ actually spoke about Devontae Parker. Uh, as one of his 
plays this week at wide receiver, and it turns out that the top two-man stack on DraftKings this week on 4 for 4 is Ryan Tannehill and Devontae Parker. Tannehill yeah, at 5,300 and Parker at 3,300. The total stack costs 8,600. They're projected. We have them projected for 29.8, giving them the top value uh, of the day at uh, $289 per point. So you can get access to the stack value reports with a 4 for 4 DFS subscription. And another cool thing that the stack value reports have is in addition to the quarterback receiver stacks, um, they all, they also have every running back defense stack valuated, which is another really cool one uh, that not many people uh, talk about. Uh, but we have every running back and defense stack valuated for, for each team's top two running backs uh, combined with their defense. So... Another really cool feature there. So uh, make sure to check out uh, 4 for 4 and get your DFS subscription. Uh, it's currently at a discount since the season's uh, more than half gone. So be sure to check that out. Thank you very much, as always, for listening to DFS MVP. We really appreciate the listeners. We appreciate all the positive feedback we are getting on the tweets. We appreciate all the ratings and the reviews and all the people tuning in, uh, both casual fans, advanced players, people in the industry. We really love you guys. We, we really thank you. You've uh, really helped the show out a lot. And uh, that that's it for us, man. You can find TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week 13. Let's get this shmoney. Shmoney. Boom, 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 boom. Tell me what you gonna do. Tell me it ain't nowhere to run. When judgment comes for you. When judgment comes for you. Tell me what you gonna do. When it ain't nowhere to hide. When judgment comes for you. Cause it's gonna go. <laughs>